best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. For all to hear. For all to hear. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Why don't you go ahead and stand and join us? We're going to start out with some worship this morning. This isn't the early service, so y'all can clap. There's no excuses. The herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. Joyful all the nations rise. Join the triumph of the with some Christmas carols, but we're going to just take a minute and pray real fast. Not super fast, because we're not in a hurry, but we're going to pray for a minute just because this is a moment that I feel like we always, we always get rushed in this season. 
When we come to Christmas, things get rushed, things get going. And this is a moment that I want to actually just fight for us to be present. For God to be able to move and to speak to us. We don't worship just because that's what we do at church. You do the service where you go to worship and then you listen to the message and then you pray and then you do another song and you, you leave. Everything we do is to help engage each of us with God this morning. And I'm going to make it as easy for you as possible to be able to just clear a path to hear from him, to speak with him, to connect with him, to communicate with him. Because believe it or not, whether you want to believe this, you are loved and favored. God wants to speak to you today. And I guarantee, if nothing else, it's just to remind you in a still small whisper, I love you. No matter what. No matter what. No matter who you think you are, no matter what you think your narrative is and the story of your life, no matter whether you think you're worthy or it matters, or whether some, maybe you just don't even feel like you care today, you come in numb as all get up. And life has just kind of robbed you of joy. We're going to pray this morning because I believe that God wants to speak directly to your heart. And we're going to continue our worship. But Father, I just pray for every need in this room. I pray, Father, that as we enter into this next moment of, of just singing to you that we would actually begin to experience the connection to your presence, to your spirit. Father, that you would remind us how loved we are, that you would speak to us, that we would hear from you. Father, let our, our lives just begin to reflect the joy and the overflowing of goodness that comes from being connected to you. Let us start right here, right now, as we each take a breath and a moment to reflect, to be grateful, and to worship. In your name we pray. Amen.
accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I don't know how y'all are doing with keeping yourself from being polluted by the world, but y'all killed it Friday night taking care of the orphans and Christmas chill. This building, this beautifully decorated building, thank you, Emma and Bianca, uh, was full of teenagers eating Chick-fil-A and um, decorating their own Christmas trees, getting their shoes shined, playing video games, walking out with TVs and blankets. For some of them, that's the only Christmas present they're going to get this year. And it's all because of you, all because of your generosity, all because you gave of your money and your time and your talent to look after these kids and they were well looked after that night thank you thank you i am so honored to be a part of a group of people that consider foster kids important thank you okay now journey church is going to keep on encouraging you to give so that we can keep on providing for the needy and those in distress because we think it's that important. So a part of your tithe, a tithe of your tithe goes into a fund so that we can provide events like this. So you guys are extremely, extremely generous. Once again, I'm thankful. 
there. We're going to take an offering in a minute. There are only two ways to give right now in person through our offering buckets and online. The uh, mobile thing is being updated right now, so it's temporarily unavailable. Um, as the ushers come, let's pray. God, thank you so much for letting me be a part of a group of people like this that have such generous, generous hearts that give freely of their time and their talent and their money. I am so grateful that you placed me amongst them. God, I pray your blessing on them today and your blessing on this offering. I pray that you would multiply it, help us to use it wisely, and help us to use it to change the world. It's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Bianca and Tom are coming to give you some announcements. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys all doing out there? Good morning, Journey. How's we everybody doing? We still feel the energies from Friday night in here, so yes. come on. Keep it up. We like it. That's why we left the lights on. Electricity. Right? Yeah. Fifth and sixth graders, if you are still in the room, you shouldn't be because you've got a class to go to today, and I know they've got tons of stuff packed for you guys to have some fun. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to pile on to the volunteer stuff. Friday night was incredibly awesome. Yes. I'm going to give you a quick little story of something that touched me. Uh, so I was sitting there. We were dealing with the volunteers. And this big guy comes up to me. And he, he says, hey, uh, what do you need me to do? And I said, well, what did you sign up for? And he says, oh, no, I'm, I'm one of the kids. But I've been coming for the last couple of years. And I think it's a great event, and so I'd like to help out. And I'm like, uh, that is very cool, but no, you are a guest <laughs> of honor. You get no work, and you're going to go sit around. You know? So we set him off to have some fun. Uh, later on, uh, sent him up on to stage. He won some tickets, and uh, I talked to him. I go, so, man, what you put in for the TV, for the game, whatever? He said, no. He says, I actually gave them out to one of my friends because I felt that they needed it more than I wow. do. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool, you know? And then on his way out, as he was leaving, he came up to me and he says, I really would like to volunteer. So I said, next year you're in, yeah. you're going to be my right hand <laughs> man, you know? So that was incredible to me. That's and awesome. One thing that he told me uh, that I want you guys all to know is that he basically said, this was a great event. He says, people don't treat us like this. We don't have cool things like this for us. Nobody sets it up for us. And uh, so I just really wanted to you know, give back to do to that. So essentially what I'd like you guys to say, if you don't know what effect you guys are having, that's what yeah. you're doing. You're affecting people's lives. This is a micro example of it, but yeah. my God, one person is just absolutely very thankful to you guys. So thank you very, very much, folks. That's awesome. Yeah, those who came and were actually at the event, those who set up, and even those who financially gave or just bought presents, like everything was gone by the end of the night. The Absolutely. Kids there was the no best. volunteer yep. that's too small and no too big. You guys were all Absolutely. equal as far as I'm concerned. And I'll tell you what, watching kids come in with frowns on their faces because they have a hard life and then watching, yeah. walking out with a big smile on their that's face, great. that's pretty cool. That you was know? awesome. So thank you, Journey. But we don't just stop at one event. We actually have an ongoing event that we do um, with Grace Resource. And Grace Resource is a place that we actually are able to go and help feed the homeless. So Wednesday, December 18th, we are going to be doing um, us. We, the church is going to be going there, and we actually work the event. So if during this time of the year, I know we're always looking for opportunity to 
um, to give. We should be looking for opportunity to give. And on top of it, if you're a family with younger ones and you want to give them an opportunity to kind of be able to put their hands and do something as well, this is a great opportunity as family. You can kind of go there, go together, serve together, serve the homeless. It's going to be a great impact on our community. Absolutely. It's a wonderful event that if you guys could help out, it's greatly appreciated. They give, you know, all we even need to do is provide food or provide services, whatever yep. you guys can do. Any little bit of help is a lot of help. Yep, and you can sign up right outside at the hotspot. So go out those doors and pop to the right, and there's a hotspot there. They'll have to sign you up. So you guys have probably noticed we got some different decorations up here, right? What does that mean? We're close to Christmas, Christmas. right? Now this is where you guys get excited. We're at Christmas. So hey, folks, we are going to have a Christmas Eve special for y'all. Yes. So we want to see you guys show up. There's two services, one's at 5 and one's at 6. Yes, and it is a great time. If you've never been to our candlelight service, it's awesome. It's a fun time. The whole family's invited. It's not just limited to adults. So ev there's no kids program. So everybody's in here together. We get to celebrate Christmas Eve together. It's very cool. It even gets people like me to sing, which is really unheard which of. Is, you know, so. well, and very sad, actually, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And if this is your first time coming to Journey, we want to say welcome. We are so pumped that you're here. So much so that we actually have a little gift for you at the hotspot. Again, it's out those doors and to the right. If you want to go on over there, we've got a little gift that just says we're so pumped that you're here. We're excited that you came to Journey, and we'd love to see you come back. Yeah, welcome. And this is the best part of it all. You guys get to stand up, turn around, and say hello to your fellow folks out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Target commercial. That's a joy commercial. So good. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you all and everybody online. So excited to be here today. And I just want to piggyback on what everybody else has said so far. I am so proud of you and to be a part of a church that literally takes Jesus' words about taking care of the widows, the orphans, those who are um, in, for whatever reason, a difficult season of their life, going through difficult things. Man, you guys take that seriously, and I am just blown away by the generosity and the hard work, the 
sacrificed, you guys worked, you served, you gave, you prayed, you loaned, I mean, and all of that stuff, all of that stuff, just one tiny little thing, like Tom said, that just goes into a person's memory, that just kind of reminds them of a good God, somebody who actually cares that there are people in the world who don't just believe religious things, but people who actually begin by living the ways of Jesus. And I just am so proud to be a part of a church like that, to pastor a church like that. So well done. <clears throat> so we're in a series, started last week, called Joy. It's really important. But it's sometimes Christmas can be a little bit awkward. You ever get one of those gifts, you just kind of look at it, and you're like, uh, okay, thank you. It's like one of those mishap gifts, like the one that it's kind of like several of them, like the you don't really know me gift. You ever get something like, and like, what made you think I would want this? <clears throat> I remember I was young. I had a, a family member who w worked at a toy factory, and they brought me this toy, but it was just like for two-year-olds or something here. I'm like 10, and I'm sitting there like, what am I? And I looked at my parents. They gave me those looks like, you better look happy. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm playing with this toy right in front of them. Like, you don't even know me, gift. How about, is it, is it obvious I forgot you, gift? Like the time somebody like, oh, 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 and they just kind of threw something together, like a, one of those little gift cards that somebody gave them, and it still has their name on it, and they give it to you, and <clears throat> they forget. But one time, I remember Lori and I, we were just first year we were married, and uh, we were at her parents' house, and I remember she was uh, giving me my, my stock, and I forgot, it's like she was wanting to start her marriage with this little thing, this gift, and we'd give each other stocks, and so she starts to get hers, hers out to me, and I'm like, it just hit me, panicked. Oh, no, the stocking. Completely forgot. Space on it completely. So I just, wait a minute, ran in the other room, grabbed the stocking from her mom's cupboard, and went in there and stuffed it full of fruit and candy and stuff from the, you know, from the ancient candy drawer. And I just, I'm like, here you go. You know, you ever felt like it's, you've been forgotten, but then just kind of, oh, yeah, here you go. How about the gift that's no fun but very practical? How many socks and underwear people do we have in the crowd? You know, it's the socks and underwear. It's like, hey, thank you. I really needed that. You know, it's that gift that you just, uh, you, you have to appreciate, but it's not fun. How about the green with envy gift that somebody else got? So you're getting your socks and underwear. My family, we were a bunch of boys. So there were seven of us, um, seven boys between myself, our, my brothers and my cousins. And we always spent the holidays together. So as we we're in the circle and everybody's just ripping their gifts and going for it, inevitably you'd look across the circle and somebody else is like wait a minute you look at your group of gifts and you're like i didn't get that and everybody starts being like, man that's a cool gift why didn't i get one of those i should ask for one of those why didn't i get one so the gift envy how about this is this for me or for you gift ever get one of those gifts it's like was this for me or is this for you i remember one time costco had a clearance on a label maker and I was the one who did all the bills and had to put all the folders with little things on it, but I couldn't pass it up. It was so good that I bought it and gave it to Lori for Christmas. <laughs> and she opens it. She's like, what is this? I'm like, congratulations, your very own label maker. And, of course, she wasn't as thrilled as I was later on when I got to use it. <clears throat> How about one of those gifts like the guy who's always giving his girlfriend, like, the gun and the ammo or the girl that gives her husband or boyfriend that spa day. It's like, what, my nails are that bad? I mean, the gift that just like, was this for me or you? How about the not-so-subtle subtle message? That gift that's like the exercise bike? <laughs> or the membership to Jenny Craig? Or to the fat camp or anything like that? And you're kind of like, oh, thank you so very much. You know, is it, are you saying something? What about just the, the basic gifts where you kind of like, it's, 
comes in really, really, I'm six months late, but I still want you to be happy kind of gift. I mean, there's all these gifts, and there's all these gift mishaps that can happen at Christmas, but there's one gift <clears throat> mishap that kind of hurts me more than the rest, and it's the empty promises gift. It's the one that comes kind of wrapped up, and it's like, man, you, you, know, you think that there's all this potential for something really, really good, and you ever go for those little gift exchanges, and you grab the coolest, the biggest, the best wrapped gift, and it's like the biggest disappointment? You ever go to Christmas and you're just expecting something really good, and I got carried away and ripped it this morning, but you look inside and basically the gift just seems a little hollow. The promise is there. I mean, it's, it's like it's got all the right stuff, but, but it doesn't fulfill anything inside of me. Sometimes we have people in our lives that present well, like, I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to be this to you, and I'll never do that, and I'll always, and, and the gift seems like just what you wanted. But when you get it and you actually start unwrapping it, it's full of disappointment and heartbreak. There was a person who was uh, connected with our family when I was younger, and they were a person of means, and, and I was not, and this person made several promises to me in my childhood. I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to take care of this for you, and I'm going to buy you this. And I just remember being so excited, thinking, oh, that would be so cool. I can't wait. This would be... And I just remember month after month thinking, when's it going to happen? When are they going to do this? And only to find out that this is a person who just always felt really good about saying things, but didn't actually follow through. And it was really painful to realize there are gifts out there that people promise that actually are kind of empty. And right now, I just kind of wonder if there aren't some people here that maybe you've experienced that, a parent who was supposed to be there, or a parent who was supposed to come through and pick you up, and you were waiting for that for weeks or months, and they never ever kind of came through with the promise of being a parent. Or maybe it was a spouse, a person you're dating that keeps a person that, that, that keeps promising, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to stop doing that, I'm going to be better, I'm going to this or that. Or it's somebody you're dating that's like, oh, yeah, you're the one, and yeah, one day and soon, and, you know, when, when I get enough money and when we get settled in and when the job slows down and when things stop, we'll, we'll get married and I'll, all of that. And you're just kind of like, promise just feels like an empty box right now. I mean, you got all the fancy wrapping, but it just isn't going anywhere. Or maybe it's an employer who just constantly kind of dangles the carrot, man, do this thing, and I'll, you'll there'll be a promotion, or, I'm a, man, I got my eye on you, I think there's really promise in you, and we're going to see you raise in the company, and you're just like killing yourself, and it's just like year after year, you're looking at your paycheck, and it's like, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel like anything's changing, your position hasn't changed, and you just feel so let down, like, really? Really, did you even have to, I would, I would be okay if you had never said anything. But to just have the potential, the promise, and no fulfillment is a heartbreak. So today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some stories. We're going to compare and contrast two of the people in the Christmas story and how they both experienced joy, but how one of them just about missed out on it because of this incredible idea of a package that they thought was empty when actually there was something that they weren't looking for in all the time. <clears throat> and what we're talking about is this idea of joy. And last week we defined joy as a deep-seated sense of well-being. In other words, it's just good. It's not happiness in the sense of dependent on happenings. Happiness comes from happenings. 
And when things aren't happening, you can't be happy. But joy comes from some other source. We talked about that. Joy is a sense of pervasive, in other words, just ongoing well-being. It's just a sense of my soul is well. My, my circumstances may not be, but I am good. We discovered that joy comes from this, knowing the good news and believing. It's truly connected. Knowing that there's a God who loves you, who has your name on his lips, that the God who actually created you, formed you, put cell to cell to cell and made you in his image and delights in you as his creation. And we discover that joy is when we discover relationship is available even from our brokenness. We can step into that through the gift of Jesus and his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And, and when, what we learned is joy is mentioned 59 times in the New Testament. And it always is used to describe that experience, that deep feeling of happiness, but not dependent on happenings, but that sense of well-being that's connected to spiritual realities. Spiritual realities. When people experience the truth of how God is good and they begin to live in that reality, the result is joy again. When people really begin to believe God is good, not just good out there, not just good to them, but good to me. They begin to experience joy, the outcome, the growth. It's even called the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, fruit just comes out of a fruit tree. And when you are in and planted deeply in God, it's just like the natural outcome, the fruit of that relationship, joy. So today we're going to take a look at a couple people. And the first guy we want to talk about is a guy named Zachariah. A little background. Zachariah is an old guy. We don't know exactly how old, but he's up in years. In his own definition, his own description, <clears throat> he's aged. And he's reached a point in his life where he's been serving God his entire life. He's of the priesthood. In other words, back in the day when God was setting up his connection and how he would do relationship with people who keep wandering off and rejecting him, he set up this priesthood so there were a group of people who were dedicated entirely their entire life through Aaron's, Aaron, all Aaron's family members, all his downline, his descendants, would be part of the priesthood and they would help people understand the ways of God, walk in them, and then offer the appropriate responses in worship. Through sacrifice, or all, all these things, that they would be the ones who instructed people. They're the knowers of God. And so we find that there's this guy named Zechariah who spent his lifetime knowing about God, proclaiming and showing other people how to worship him appropriately, and he's kind of like the first character. What I love about Luke, Matthew starts with a genealogy because he's talking to the Jewish people and he's trying to prove to them how Jesus fits all of the prophetic promises of, of this will be the descendant. When God comes to bring his life back, in other words, we rejected him, God removed his physical presence in the sense of this bodily presence from the earth. We're kind of like doing our own thing here, but the promise has always been God would return. The reign of God among people would return to the earth he would have a physical presence among us. And all throughout time, people have been waiting and yearning and longing for the reign of God to begin. When justice would return to the earth, where right would be celebrated and wrong would be corrected and everybody would get what is rightfully there. And this is like everybody yearns for. Every time we vote on our ballots, we're, like we, we're hoping for a little more direction towards good in the world. And however you perceive that, this is what we were looking for in Zachariah's group was like, we're praying for the day when God will bring his Messiah, the promised one, 
who will guide us, who will be the one who brings us back to God. So this is the story that we're talking about. Zechariah is a priest in the temple, and back in this time, there were 24,000 priests for this temple in Jerusalem. I mean, that's a lot of pastors. I don't know about you, but man, people were so dang generous in those days that they could literally sponsor 20. So these guys, they had to be, break them into groups because there were so many. So basically, there were 24 groups of about 1,000 priests, and each took their turn one week at the temple where they would all go to the temple and they would serve during that week. There were so many of them. I mean, I might just dream of the day. People are so excited about what God's doing in the world that they give so that we can have 24,000 pastors. I mean, okay, a four would be great. I'm just saying. But you guys are extremely generous. Don't take that as a personal slight. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Zachariah was one of the 20,000 priests. And his group was on service at this particular moment. Not only that, but there was... One priest who was chosen, like by lottery, to actually go into the holy place and present the sacrifice or the incense offering to God. And it was like the the chance of a lifetime to go into the inner court to actually be in the presence, to be in the space where God's presence dwelled. I mean, it was like unbelievable. Every one of the 24,000 was like, oh, I pray that my name comes up. My God, please let my name come up. They would spend their entire lifetime dreaming of the day their name would be chosen. To represent the priesthood before God in the sacrifice and the incense. This particular season, this particular month, this particular week of this particular year, on this particular day, Zachariah's name was chosen. Now there's another thing you need to know about Zachariah. He was married to a gal named Elizabeth, and both of them, the scriptures say, were godly. In other words, they did everything God's way. Best they could, they honored God with their lives. But there was a part of their story that was seemed to be misplaced seems like something wasn't right, and that was that they could have no children, and they didn't know how to accept, accept that. Now, believe me, I've felt this before. There are times where I hear about other pastors and other friends who are like, man, God's just doing this, and he's talking to me all the time, and I got, man, this sermon idea is just popping left and right, and I'm sitting there all week long just like, please, God, give me something to say. You know, I'm like, I just don't hear from God the same way some people do. I just kind of feel sometimes like the stepchild. I'm like, what, what about me, God? I think some of you probably feel like those people over there or that group or that person or that thing happens for them, but not for me. Zachariah was a guy who dedicated his life to honoring God, and yet he was like, God, the most basic thing of all our lives, we yearn to not only just reproduce, but to have children, because in that day, children were a sign of God's blessing. Because there's no social security, there's no retirement plan. Basically, back then, there was no government going to take care of you in your old age. The more children you had, the better set up you were in the future. You Literally, they would come and they would care for you. They'd feed you. They'd, close, they'd take care of you as it should be. All four of my children here in the room, it's just, as, no, three of them, <clears throat> we, we, we just looked for that kind of a relationship. Well, they yearned for it, prayed for it, waited for it, never got it. So here they are in their old age. Zechariah gets his moment. That's where the story picks up. <clears throat> so we actually realized that the problem of being uh, childless was not just personal. It was actually cultural. People believed it to be God was punishing you if you couldn't have kids. A man would literally, in those days, could literally divorce a wife that could not bring him children because the shame was great and because he wouldn't have an heir to receive and carry on the name. Why it's the wife's fault, I have no idea. Obviously, we know better now. 
It's always the man. Just kidding. They want it to be. Sometimes, singles. <clears throat> Some of you right now, you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I've been praying for something. I'm single. I've been wanting a relationship, that person, that special someone. I've been praying of the happy forever after my whole life. And God, where are you? What's up with this? I'm trying my best to serve you. Where is it? Am I just like the stepchild? Am I not loved? Am I not the one that has caught your eye? Is it like somebody else is doing it better, right, or whatever? And you just feel a little bit rejected. Maybe you're married and you want children or you want a certain experience. You want a home of your own or there's something you've been asking God for. There's some experience, some thing, and you've just been waiting. And just feel sometimes like, I, I don't know why, but God, you must like my sister, my brother, that person over there better because I'm not, I'm not getting it. You're very discouraged. Maybe you're divorced. You thought you found the one, and you were so excited, and you entered into this with all the dreams and hopes and ambitions of, a, of, of anybody who goes into a relationship. And here you are today with shattered dreams and broken heart and a memory of just, man, the dream that you once had, and kind of like, God, what happened? I did my best. Well, the good news today, the great news today, is that God is up to something in every human story and you are not the one who has been left to the side. You are not the stepchild. You are not the person who's been forgotten. The story includes you. And I'm going to tell you at the end of this, I'm going to give you a whole hunt, you know, dozen reasons why the story is like so specific and so personal for you. But just let me tell you that <clears throat> we're going to go into this because I want you to hear, I want you to read in your experiences to this and see how God responds. So here we are, Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> so the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah. Remember, Zechariah's in the temple now. He's finally got his day. He's got his moment. He's got his, he's in the holy place. <clears throat> Two guys would go in. They'd be like his servants, his attendants. And then they would leave after all the things were prepared, and he would offer the incense. So there he is, making the offering. So standing at the right side of the incense altar is this angel. Now, just pause for a moment. Now, tell me, have you ever been in a place you thought you were alone and found out you weren't? your chagrin, wet your pants, and all that, and it's kind of like, Ugh! you know, that would have been that moment. He's in there, and he's like, they're so afraid of doing anything wrong, but he's like, this is God, the creator of all things, and he's in there, you know, doing his little incense thing, and he's like, whatever, and, and all of a sudden, Bing! you know, this guy's standing there right at the side of the incense altar, probably freaked him out. So, <clears throat> when, when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer, notice that singular, prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. <clears throat> he will be a joy, there it is, that word again, joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. <clears throat> I, think, I think it's interesting wording. The Lord has heard your prayer. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I've prayed a million prayers. I mean, I've prayed a million prayers over my lifetime. I mean, I pray prayers all week long, and I, I pray so many prayers, I can't even remember what I prayed two weeks ago. And this guy is saying, I, 80-some years old probably, he's like, hey, God has heard your prayer. He's like, which one? Well, it's obvious from the context, there was like one driving thing in his heart that was so much a yearning, a longing, a desire, that it's like that one thing that's been plaguing you for your lifetime that you've been asking and begging God for. He's heard it. Don't think that he didn't hear it. Don't think that he has ever forgotten what's really on your heart. And I just want right now, 
reminder for you. If you think God is not hearing your prayers, Revelation talks about this bowl that God collects the prayers of the saints. He actually takes the tears and the, and the struggles and the pain and the things we give to him. And he's just, every one of them is precious to him. I know your prayer. If God were to say, I hear your prayer, what is the one prayer? What is the thing or the things that have been so much on your lips when you go to God or when you're just kind of thinking and you just kind of offer it to God that if, if he answered it, that would be the prayer. This is his. <clears throat> your wife, you're going to have a child. And so Zachariah is probably like blown away. <clears throat> He's obviously past childbearing age. So Gabriel is basically saying, Zachariah, God's heard all the prayers you prayed for a child, and it's going to be answered. And Zechariah blows his amazing moment. Look what he does, verse 18. Then Zechariah asked the angel, wait, how, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. That kind of harkens back to Abraham's story. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. <clears throat> I've been... Uh, I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Shut up, brother. Because <clears throat> you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Have you ever, like, blown your moment? You, you ever, like, had something teed up for, like, that <clears throat> you've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for that girl to just be in the right space at the right time just to, you know, offer the line or make that invite or make that connection? You're waiting for that, that little heart on one of your pictures or the like or whatever. You're, like, <clears throat> you're waiting for your moment, and when it comes, I mean, you, the ball's teed up, and you just, whew, you miss. It's just like a total whiff. You ever feel like you just completely blew the moment? This is that, all right? Have you ever struggled stepping into a God moment? Because you just couldn't get over yourself. You just kind of tripped over yourself. You, just, you lost your mind. <clears throat> That's what happened to Zechariah. Gabriel tells him, <clears throat> you know what God's up to? You couldn't trust for it? Put on your shut-up lipstick. You don't get to talk for the whole nine months. This is it. You're going to go silent for the next nine months. I love that. We're going to come back to that. It's sad because he missed his moment. Think about this. He'd spent his entire life preparing to walk into and serve to be the one who gets to serve in the presence of the Almighty. He spent his whole life preparing, thinking, dreaming, waiting with just one chance my name get called. I'm going to just honor God. I'm going to do my best because he's thinking that God was interested in what he could do for him. He was so wrapped up thinking God is excited about what I'm going to give him that I have something to give God that he needs, smoke. Smelly smoke. I mean, it's like vape smoke. It really is. I mean, like, if you've never been around, it's just like this kind of smells good, and it's really cool and all that. But it is just a reminder. All it was there for is to represent the fact that God was with them, and it just creates beauty. And wherever God is, is beauty. And it's just to remind them that the presence of God is delightful to all the senses, to all of our yearnings. And yet he was thinking that he was doing something for God. He completely blew the moment. The whole time, God was preparing him not for some duty, but for relationship. Catch this, folks. What God wants more than fancy sacrifices or doing something that you think he needs, what he wants is a deep trust and delight in him. God wants relationship. You can't give him anything he doesn't have. You can't give him something he needs. 
How do you get, what do you give the God who has everything? You, know? <clears throat> you, your worship. How many times you come to church and give your offerings or you serve or, and you're hoping to impress God. You're hoping to get a couple points in with the man upstairs. Like, man, maybe it'll go a little better for me on the day of judgment, you know, because remember I did that thing. I gave that offer, whatever. And God the whole time is like, you can't buy me. You can't buy my love. You can't buy grace. Is the, the very concept of grace is it's an unearned gift. You don't get any of this because you did something. You get it because I'm a get a, from God's perspective, he'd say, you get it because I'm a loving, generous, gracious God. And I want to offer this to you because you're my child, because I love you. And yet so many times we find ourselves trying to earn those moments. <clears throat> what God wants more than anything is a deep love and trust in him. What God really wants is our love and trust. That brings us to the second person in the story. A couple of verses later, we get introduced to a young lady. Her name's Mary. <clears throat> we find out that Mary is betrothed. She's reached the season where she's going to be married. So typically that what happens is once a girl starts her monthly cycle, who's around 12, 13 years of age, then she is childbearing age. So the families would have worked together to find a suitable match in the community. <clears throat> typically the family is always trying to up their level of societal position. So they're looking for the best possible connection or place for their child to go. So either it helps with business, it helps with family relations, with community support. In other words, it's getting loyalty from a group of people or a person that they really want the loyalty from. <clears throat> so they decide to marry their children. And so they would actually, parents would pick usually the spouse. Sure, the kids had something to say about it, but not a whole lot. So they would basically take their child somewhere between 13 and 18, young lady, and betroth her. In other words, she would be promised to a young man in the community. And typically the young man would be a little bit older than the young lady because he has to be of age to where he can actually provide for a spouse. As a matter of fact, the betrothal typically lasted a year and it was the same as a marriage in the sense that you couldn't get out of it unless you divorced somebody. It took a divorce to get out of a betrothal. Mary was betrothed or promised to Joseph and a young Jewish male, a young Jewish man would typically come to his bride-to-be <clears throat> and say something like, I go away to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I'm going to receive you so you can be where I am. And those, remember those words where Jesus literally said when he was coming, preparing to come back, he goes, I go to prepare a place for you. This is the words of a groom to a bride, the love relationship. But that's what a young man would say. I'm going to go away and prepare things for you. Then I'm going to come back and join you for life together. That's what's happening. <clears throat> Joseph has been betrothed to Mary. They're waiting for that year time where he's preparing the last of the things before he can take this young lady into his home and provide for her. <clears throat> there's no sexual relationship. There's no intimacy. There's no even really being alone at that point. That is all saved for the wedding day and after. That is the way of God. That's the way God set it up. And it's the way we really still get the best experience for all that we have. That's what God designed. But here we go in verse 26. In this, oh, by the way, Elizabeth is now pregnant. The angel came through on his promise. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel. Here we are, Gabriel again, right? To Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. In other words, Messiah has come. This will be the promised one. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now picture yourself between 13 and 18 being told that you are going to give birth to God. The Son of God is going to come. The Messiah, the promised one, who's going to return us all back to God, who's going to actually bring us the renewal, the renewal of the kingdom. The reign of God is going to begin through your child. So, uh, yeah, love him well. Sure. So we find Mary. Teenage girl, just scared to death. She struggles to understand. And it goes on and says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I find her, her response interesting. Now, remember Zacharias. Here's Mary's. <clears throat> how will this be? Now, wait, wait. They both said how. How will this be, Mary? Asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The, whole, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born to, to be born will be called the Son of God. God. So the, sto- the stories are kind of similar in some ways, right? <clears throat> but there's some differences. Here's the similarities. Both of them are visited by the, the angel Gabriel, who literally dwells or is the person's your mes- personal messenger and warrior of God. He literally stays in the presence of God. <clears throat> Both visited by him. Both are promised the birth of a son. Both are promised a miracle, in the, and yet because they're both unlikely to have a kid. One, because he's aged out of the practice or the ability, and the other, because she's not having a a relationship with anybody that would produce a child. And yet both respond with the perplexed question, how? So why does one get a really, because we look at it and we say, well, Luke, he's trying to compare them for a reason. One of them, here's the major contrast. Zachariah gets struck dumb, literally, his res- for his response. Gabriel responds very kindly to Mary. <clears throat> he receives a blessing. God chooses to bless both of them. <clears throat> he gives them both what he promised. He gives them both a son. They both fulfill the promises that all the ancients had been prophesying about. They both become, they become the two greatest men that walk the earth. One is the messenger and one is the Messiah. So why does Zechariah get in trouble? Why is his how worse than Mary's how? <clears throat> well, Luke tells us. Go back to the story. So we pick it up. When Zechariah questions Gabriel about his wife getting pregnant, the angel tells him this in verse 20. Zechariah, you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. They will be. In Mary's case... Elizabeth is the one that actually pronounces what happened. This is what Mary did. This is what Elizabeth records. Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So so Zechariah, now picture this. Zechariah has the age advantage. He has the knowledge and education advantage. He has the experiential advantage. He has the I do this for a living advantage. He misses it. And we have a teenage girl who has never been in the temple in the holy place. She's 
been to the temple to offer sacrifices with her family, but she's never been part of the group that actually gets to set the whole thing up and talk to others and proclaim it to others. She's just a young teenage girl who hears something that God has promised and says, okay, okay, think about that. <clears throat> I mean, this is the guy... This is a guy who spent his lifetime preparing other people to please God and help them connect with God. And he misses his moment. And here's a young lady who is just experiencing the first time that God is real and God is up to something in her life. And she gives him her full devotion and trust. Through these two, I, I see this. Faith in God's promises is the direct pathway to joy. You want a sense of God's activity in your world that just kind of overwhelms your circumstances? Here it is. Man, you got, faith in God's promises is your pathway to joy. <clears throat> As with grace, it isn't reserved for the spiritually elite. It isn't reserved for those who with, with degrees, the, you know, old age or anything else. It's not for the wise. It's for the people who believe. And what Zechariah's problem was is Zechariah did this. He mistook God's delays for God's denials. He was so wrapped up in the fact that, God, you didn't do what I expected before, so I can't trust you now. You didn't come through when I asked you the first thousand times, so why would I believe it's going to happen now that I'm old? He expected God's, deny, his, God's delay for, to be God's denial. And here's the thing. Never mistake God's delays for God's denial. If he's promised you something, God will come through if he's promised it. He even promises things that maybe we didn't even know he promised. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It may feel sometimes like the gift you've gotten. It's like an empty box. It's just nothing there. It hasn't come through. But I want you to know God is in the good gift-giving business. He's the best gift-giver. As a matter of fact, man, that gift-giver in your family that's just like the best, God blows them away. He even said, Jesus said it this way, if you who are evil, in other words, you who are corrupted by, your, you're plagued with desires that are all over the place, can't align your loves for any length of time with God. It's just like you're, you're scattered. You who are evil or broken know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does your perfect Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who love Him? God's good. He's really good at it. <clears throat> so to live in the joy we read about, we got to become like Mary. She believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. She believed that the Lord would fulfill so I, I love that Mary didn't have any of the special qualifications that you would expect. We don't read that she was smarter than anybody else, more mature. She was stronger, more beautiful, more educated, more connected. We don't read any of those things. What we read about Mary, she simply said, okay, I believe that. I believe what you say. What made Mary special? She believed that God was good and he could be trusted to keep his promises. She believed it. And I just, man, I just want to stop there. <clears throat> what God wants so much from his children is that we just believe him. We just take what he has said and we just like, I believe that. I'm in. What, what I sometimes can do, I'm a professional Christian in a way. <clears throat> I mean, I get paid to basically help you understand the ways of God and walk in them. So obviously, I'm better at it than most of you. <clears throat> Except I'm not, Always. Now, hopefully I'm further along than some because I've been at it a while. And hopefully I'm not like Zechariah and I'm just missing the whole point while I'm presenting it to you. I'm missing it myself. But let me just be honest. There are times when my wife blows me away so much by her faith 
after all of my years in study and preparation and degrees, all whatever, I, my wife will literally read the passage in James where it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives liberally and without distinction, and they will receive. And she said, so uh, I just pray for wisdom. And I said, well, how does that work? She goes, I just trust that he did it. I'm like, wait a minute. Tell me again. She said, well, because I'm struggling with something going on in church or, the, you know, my, my series teaching or whatever. She's like, I'm struggling with it. She goes, well, just ask God for wisdom. I'm like, I, I did. She goes, well, then just trust he's given it to you. I'm like, wait a minute. It can't be that simple. There's got to be more to it. So um, let me complicate this a bit with uh, some Greek and some other things. Let me, let me tell you why that doesn't always work the way you think it works. And Jesus basically said, well, basically what I do is the Bible says it. So I pray for wisdom, and then I just go forward and just move in the direction of whatever I sense is the best thing. And I trust that God's given me the wisdom, that it's him doing this with me. And I'm like, really? Can that be true? God, if I missed it all this time, I was waiting for the angel standing next to you know. David, you know, God has seen your hard work and your effort, and he's going to reward you with a ding. But no, it's as simple as just believing. And folks, we complicate it so much. So just a couple things. I, I just want, as you learn to walk in trust, believe, man, just please take on the heart of Mary. Don't be like so many religious practitioners that are professionals. They get so good at it, they forget it's even true, that it's real for them. But here's what I want you to remember. A couple things big part of learning who you can trust in life, right? That's a big part of life is just learning who do I trust? Been burned by a lot of people, right? I've been hurt by people. One of the big lessons in life is who can I trust? So it, it's really about learning to manage your expectations. <clears throat> so here's a little lesson from the biblical narrative and from the story. First, hold your expectations of people loosely. Hold what you expect of people. I mean, how many of you have just expected somebody to literally be, like, darn near perfect? You just think, man, I just, if you would just behave better, if you'd be a little better at this, people are going to disappoint us. Fact of life, nobody outside of Jesus is perfect. I mean, I could put the S on my chest. I could get the pointy ears. I mean, I could get the, the cool, you know, bat gloves or whatever. I, I could put it all in the, but I am going to let you down. And I'm, I'll be honest, we try really, really hard to make sure that our humanity is just out there with all of the other things that we try to let, lead with just saying, hey, we're doing our best to follow and walk in the ways of God. And man, as we do that, follow us. But where we don't get it very good, yeah, don't practice that. We are with you in this journey. We're not perfect. And I'm going to disappoint. I guarantee you, get close to me. I will disappoint you at some time. I disappoint myself all the time. It's real. <clears throat> Nobody gets it right all the time. Everybody does things and hurts somebody. Everybody you look at right now that think you think it, they got it all together, they're an irritation to somebody. I mean, even Jesus ticked people off so bad they killed him. You're annoying to somebody. Merry Christmas. <clears throat> somebody looks at you as the pain in their backside and <clears throat> just, but everybody is. Everybody disappoints somebody, so why don't you hold loosely your expectations of others just like you want them to hold loosely their expectations of you because you're going to fail. I remember I was, I was enamored with a certain spiritual leader. As a teenager, I read about this guy. He was just seemed to be so incredibly 
brilliant. He just, I mean, he had the ways in the heart of God down, and he could preach like nobody. He just had the most incredible ways of saying things and doing things. And I literally was, like, quoting him all the time. I was reading everything he wrote. And I remember, like, just keeping this fascination. And then I read a book about the people who lived closest to him, and the biography talked about him being a terrible husband, an absentee father, and a real jerk to a lot of the people he served. And as I'm reading it, boom, the halo just came right off the guy. And I'm like, oh, man. At first, I'm like, that just really breaks my heart. But then I'm like, that really makes me hopeful. Because if everybody that I put on a pedestal to think their greatest is just human like me, then I guess we really are all in this together. We are all alike. And we screw up. And somebody right now in life is irritated at me because I failed and came up short just like you. So let's hold loosely our expectations. And if you can offer a gift of others to others this Christmas, let it be the gift of grace. Let it be the gift of, hey, you're human. Yes, I want more. And I'm not saying that you should put up with abuse or mistreatment or any of that kind of thing. What I'm saying is in the normal course of life, when people don't fulfill their obligations or they kind of come up short, when they're trying and they just don't come through, yes, there's room for conversation about, hey, this is what I expect and I was disappointed. But please... Hold your expectations of others loosely. Let them be human and extend grace to the person who is always annoying you. Extend grace. To that opinionated relative or person that's going to be at your table sometime this Christmas that knows everything and makes you feel like an idiot, extend grace. To the person who hurt you, disappointed you, let you down just recently and the one that you can't get over from the past, extend grace. To the person who votes differently than you. And what an idiot could ever agree to something like that and vote for this. Extend grace. They're just doing their best they can. What they think will make the world better. Even though they're wrong as can be. How could somebody be so stupid? Hey, just extend some grace. Hey, what, what about the person who sits through half a green light on their telephone in front of you? It's me. Have a little grace. No, I, I hate that person, but it's often me. I'm just saying, we all, we all make our mistakes. So to all the thousands of people in your lifetime that won't do it right, that you wish would do it different, would do it better, hold your expectations lightly and extend grace. That's second lesson. Get a good grip on the promises of God. Loosen your grip on the expectations of others. Tighten your grip on the promises of God. People are disappointing. God always comes through on his promises. Now, you may not like some of the things he's done, says, commands, or the ways he interacts with you. But let me tell you, he is good, he is loving, and he is in it for you. He loved you so much, John 3, 16, that he sent his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, he would give you everlasting life, life to the full, from here on, through eternity. That's his promise. That's how crazy he is about you. He does ridiculous things, scandalous things in your favor, on your behalf. So always keep a grip on those promises. Blessed is she, Mary, blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I want you to personalize that. I, I mean, I just want you to, as I read these next several passages in our closing, I just want you to personalize, picture yourself. Blessed is your name, David. As he believes that God will fulfill his promises to me. 
Blessed am I, as I believe God will fulfill his promises to me. So personalize that. Now, now let's put that truth to work and browse through some of the promises of God. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves. Are you slaves to sin or the law? So that he could adopt us as his very own. And blessed is the person who believes God will fulfill his promises. Jeremiah 29, 11, written to the people of God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And blessed is the person who believes that God will fulfill this promise to him. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. And blessed is the person who believes that God will fulfill this promise to them. Blessed, by the way, I'm going to pause. Blessed is the same word Jesus used. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed. And it's that term not just of, oh man, God's going to send a blessing. No, it's the sense of overall happiness and joy that comes to a person that meets these qualifications. Blessed. Joyful is the person. Joyful, full of joy is the person. Let's go on. Verse 8, uh, Romans 8, 20, uh, 39. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us, the people of God, from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And blessed, happy, full of joy is the person who believes this, that God will fulfill that promise. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin... Our shame, our guilt, the stuff that you carry around in your backpack that just makes you feel yucky. He is faithful and just to forgive all our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And blessed, happy, full of joy is the person who believes this and trusts God to fulfill it. Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And blessed is the person who believes that God will do what he said and will fulfill this promise to him. Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Blessed is the person who believes that God will fulfill this promise to you. 1 Corinthians 10 13, the temptations in your life are no different from others, what others experience. And God is faithful. In other words, you're not just a creep and a weirdo and just got like the only temptation in the world like this. It's like we, we all are tempted by stuff. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted or the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Blessed is the person who believes that God will fulfill this promise to you. Luke 6, 38. Give and, it'll be, and you will receive. <clears throat> Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more and running over and poured into your lap. And blessed is the person who lives as if this is true. John eleven twenty five. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And blessed is the person who believes that. God will fulfill this promise to him. Philippians 1.6, 
I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue to work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Blessed is the person who knows God's up to good and believes. Final one, Hebrews 6.18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible. Blessed is the person. Full of joy is the person who believes what God has said that it's going to be fulfilled for you. Belief, that's the difference. That's the joy. That's the crux. That's the hinge. Believe. Trust what God has said to you. Trust what God is doing in you. Trust that God has promised in his word to you. And hold fast to that. We close. I want to pray. <clears throat> just want to offer a word of prayer over you. And I want to invite you, if, man, something about this has just maybe touched you in some way, and you just kind of feel like you need to respond to God. You need to respond to what you've heard. I want you to bow your head for a moment and just, in just a moment of silence, just kind of do that to God. Speak between you and him, just in your heart, to God. God, our, our world is so full of disappointment and heartbreak. We have empty packages all the time, and it just feels like it, it's easy to distrust people. And, and God, frankly, since we can't see you, it's hard. You know, this, this faith thing, it's, it's a journey, and, and it's a gift that you give us so we can even start out. Just you give us the faith we need to start. But God, there's some people in the room today that need that gift. God, just, if you would just lavish them with the gift of that little mustard seed of faith, that it would just grow in them. They would begin to see that you are good and that you fulfill all your promises, that you always come through in a promise. You cannot lie. There's so many promises that are given to the people of God, and everybody who puts their faith in you comes to be a part of that family. Everybody who confesses their sins are forgiven. <clears throat> their name is written in heaven. They get a place in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they also enter into life now. <clears throat> but God, we all struggle in different ways. My prayer today is that we would learn to step into faith, that we would experience the joy that comes from believing that you will do what you've promised. And if your head is bowed today and you're just kind of before God and thinking, man, I feel like God's speaking to me. If you've never taken the step of faith to just begin that relationship, <clears throat> to put your faith in him, it's just, you don't need a big ceremony. You don't have to come up on stage. What you need is just before God, just to say, God, I own all of what I've done in the past, and I realize I have a lot to answer for that I have no answer for. I, I, I can't explain it. I've done a lot of stuff. I feel shame. I feel guilt. I just carry it, and I, I want to be free. I want to have a relationship. I want to step into the trust it just brings joy. <clears throat> so today, I confess my sins. In other words, I agree. I've done it, and I have no excuse. I just ask you, forgive me. You said you would. You promised that if I confess, you'd forgive. And I just ask you, not just forgive me, but then, God, pour my sin out on the cross where Jesus died. Take it to the cross so that it's punished and dealt with forever. I don't ever have to answer for it again. And then I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can experience life to the full. Help me to follow you, trust you, and learn to walk with you.
and a trust relationship that produces joy. I give you this prayer in Jesus' name. And for the rest who are just saying, man, I'm coming up short, God. I know the truth, but like Zechariah, man, a lot of times I doubt. I just pray today you would just fill me with the hope, the trust to believe you, faith to follow you, even when I can't see you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Final word. Both of them received the promise. Both of them got the joy. Even when you mess up, God is there to receive you and to bring you back in. Today as we sing, let's celebrate the joy of Christmas, the joy that's offered to you. Let's worship together. Would you stand?
blessed today and leave this place filled with joy. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. Have a great Sunday.